Welcome to episode 106 of the Never Iron Anything Comics Review Podcast. This week, it's the return of the comics artist, writer and comic scholar, Glasgow's own Mr. Jonathan Cannon. How are you, mate? Thanks, thanks very much, Tony, but I'm not from Glasgow. Aren't you? So... Oh, no, you're not. You live there, though, don't you? No. <laughs> well, I, I thought it was, because I've been to your house, and I believed it to have been Glasgow. Yeah, you need to stop telling people I live in a castle as well. That's just so not true. In our uh, I live just out... I'm from Ardrossan, which is where the Cannon Hill comics come from, because Cannon Hill is in Ardrossan. Oh, okay. So, oh, I didn't yeah. know that. There you go. How did I well, not know that? Know, I've totally. known you for years. Because you don't listen to anything I say, because I've told you about eight times. I've been to your, <laughs> and I've been, and I've been to your castle. Right. You, you've been to my place of birth. I showed you around my parental, the, the home I grew up in, in Ardrossan, and <laughs> the, just the things that happened were so traumatic that you blocked it out of your memory. Well, my visit, definitely. Hi, yeah. Ardross. It's really good. It's, it's, uh, how, how have you been? Hey, uh, good, good. Not that bad. You know, I, I actually had a profound moment of happiness earlier on today. Oh, nice. But I think it's just because I'm getting over the cold and it was a bit feverish. Uh, right, was that in the shower? I have those in the shower quite a lot. Uh, I tend to get them more when I'm having a doing a jobby. Uh, yeah. You do while. seem yeah. to message me a lot when you're doing a poo. It's the only time I get. Yeah. Because if I'm not if I'm not working, I'm spending time with um, my, my beautiful wife and wonderful children. And if I'm not spending time with them, I'm spending time with my first love, which is making comics. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. So, so I said, so I doing a doing a dump is the only time I get to communicate with folk. <laughs> We will talk. About, we do plan to talk about your once project projected seven pages that is now seven hundred pages. So we will talk about that at the end of the episode, and we'll be getting around to your projects. I feel like you're telling me off already. <laughs> <laughs> We've been here before, Johnny. I know. Yeah. I really need to learn. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, so it, it's a bit of a weird one this week because it comes from a conversation we had about a book, and I challenged you, didn't I, to talk about it. Um, and as as is our want, um, we decided to take a deep dive in it. Um, so, um, <laughs> begone Kane, begone Wood, Ditko, Kirby and Co. Would you like to introduce the subject and the book for tonight? Uh, so it came about because I was listening to the Cartoonist Kayfabe interview with Brian Bolland. Ah, right. And he mentioned this name. And I was like, I know that name from somewhere. And then I was like, I gonna look that up and i looked it up and i was like what the fuck is that <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking banana and brian Bond said oh he's a bit weird and he also took offense because um jim rock and ed pisco were like oh yeah he's got a really um uh, you know clean line like you and brian Bond was like oh my stuff's nothing like his and i was just right, like okay. who, who is this so it's jim woodring yeah brilliant and with the particular and, uh, book we're going to focus on uh, we're going to focus on poochie town which is kind of the third instalment um, of uh, well, three books, which starts with the Congress of the Animals, um, then it's Fran, and then it's Town, which kind of... Isn't um, Weathercraft in there somewhere? I don't think... Well, I, I, I find sure that hard that. to... Well, I, see, I read Town first, then yeah, me read too. Fran. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reading the Congress of Animals, I'm reading it backwards, but it works. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, oh no, Weathercraft it? comes before Congress of Animals. You're right, yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, a year before. Yeah. Okay. And then Frank comes before that. So I've read Frank, Fran. Um, I've not read the Congress of Animals yet because I've got the Italian version because I couldn't get it, the English version. Yeah, I read mine yes. digitally, actually, on that one. 
Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm, I'll, I'll need to ask you what the experience is like of doing that. Yeah, we will, because there's, there's a certain um, experience that we're going to talk about all night, I, I suspect. But um, you're right. Um, <laughs> Poochie, uh, not that kind. Poochie Town uh, came out in 2018 through Fantagraphics um, mm -hmm. in England, 17.99 when I bought it in Gosh. Um, in America, 19.99 dollars. Some production work by Paul Beresh and Jacob Lovey, um, edited by Eric Reynolds. Um, Paul quote on the back by Jeff Bridges, believe it or not, of all people. Yes. Um, what does that say? Let me read that. Brilliant. What a trip. I dig. Yeah, you didn't work hard on this, Jeff, did you? Brilliant. What a trip. <laughs> I dig this a lot, man. Jim really gives it to us. Fuck me. He phoned that one. Right, he's, not, he's, he's not wrong, though. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's completely right there. Yeah. He yeah. really does give it to you. Have you read uh, the Frank book where Francis Ford Coppola writes introduction? Yes, I have. How I great, bloody great hell. Aye. And he makes some Aye. quite insightful points as well. Mm -hmm. um, he probably yes. wasn't pissed like Jeff was, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I Jeff was just stoned. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that they fact they went to him because of the movie character he played. I love that that's clearly why they went to him, unless he's yeah. famously a big Woodring fan, which he may well be. Um, yeah. Now, there's some interesting, an interesting point that we're going to discuss. I think point one we're probably going to discuss is the um, the note from a concerned reader that's written on the French flaps, um, the front and back flaps, um, and that's written by Walter Foxglove, the smartest mm -hmm. artist. Um, mm -hmm. Now, did you do any research into who he was? I didn't, no, ah. actually, no. Well, in interestingly, I wrote, I suspect this is Woodring, when I wrote right. my notes first, and then I listened to something, I watched a YouTube video today, and he coughed it to the audience. Um, so it's Woodring himself. He says mm -hmm. he enjoys being pompous and taking on this Walter Foxglove persona. Um, and there, there is a lot of pompousness, unwholesome tableau, this is how he describes the book. Nihilistic ecstasy, shifts in extracorporeal makeup. Um, and then he accuses him of lost your objectivity from immersion in the unifactor, which we're going to get onto in a second, I suspect. Yes. But yes. it's this fucking. I mean, well, I'm going to ask you to explain what happens in a second, so prepare yourself. <laughs> no, I was going to ask you. <laughs> um, so oh this is. It's, it's a wordless book isn't it first yes. off and this is the only writing yes. in it um he does do written you know he does do books with speech just not really in the um the frank universe does he or what is referred to as the uni factor um as well okay so first question uh to you i've got a set, a set of they get more slightly more esoteric my questions as we go along yes. where i got slowly sucked into this world as i know you did oh god i i'm, I'm addicted to it now yeah totally. yeah me too man yeah me too um how did you take to his style? Did it hit you immediately, or did you go, fuck me, what's this? You know what I mean? So am I right in thinking the first one you read was the one I sent you, or did you get one before that? No, the the, one I, the first one I read was um, the Frank book. Okay. Um, and and the, it's so strange, because because they're, they're wordless, um, it's, and because they're so dreamlike, I yeah. find it. I, I find it quite hard to remember what what happens in which book. Yes, I agree. Because it's 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 just like it's the life of Frank, um, and it's 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 so strange because I uh, you mentioned Unifactor. It's it, it it very much feels like you're. It's a real place. I mean, it, it, it does exist, and when you hear him talk, he's like you know he talks yeah. about it as a real thing. It's transcendental, really isn't it? It, it, it? it really is. It's you, you feel yeah. you feel like you're you're you're. 
it? Uh, you feel like you're immersed in it. Yeah. I think earlier on I said to you, it's like you're lying in you're lying in the shore and you're feeling waves wash over you. That's what it feels like reading these. I, I've never read comics this immersive. When it's, I, it's, it's incredible. I remember the first time I read it, which is only a couple of years ago. It's not that many years ago. Um, I bought it in. Um, I, I, I went into with them. If you know Is McAuliffe, do you know her? she? She's from the Cardiff Con. Um, she's uh, I know the name, yeah. And she was in London. She's oh, you, I'm going. I said to her, I'm going into. Um, gosh if you're about so she met me in there and as i walked mm-hmm. in there was a signing going on and i'd always heard a wood ring and i thought i really need to buy this um yeah. so i bought poochie town which is my first purchase of his i'd seen his stuff before and um yeah. i think i bored you with the fact that um fingerman was telling me that he hung out with him um for a bit and i thought wow this is amazing i think i might have gushed a bit too much about Woodring while not focused in on my buddy fingerman do you know what i mean it's a bit like that but the um (laughs) yeah um but i remember looking at it later on the train home and by that time i was pretty tired and i was thinking i actually genuinely felt like this fucking book was hypnotizing me i feel like it almost gets you into some kind of weird trance you know yeah that's that's what i saw that that's some of the commentary on it that, that it's hypnotic or some people find it it makes them feel physically sick right yeah okay yeah and i've read I read a bit of Frank. I read Put Your Town all in one go. Yeah. And it must have taken me 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and I read it just before bed. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it's just, I mean, it's quite strange because I've not read The Congress of the Animals yet, but I knew from listening to an interview that, that the first few pages of Pooch Town are exactly the same as the first few pages of the Congress yeah, of the Animals. Yeah, it's a weird reworking, isn't it? Aye, yeah. aye. And it's partly because, as he explained it, um, when, on the Congress of the Animals, he decided he wanted to write it, but right. not listening to the Unifactor. <laughs> yeah. And so he went against what the Unifactor wanted him to do. Um, right. No, I think it's um, important here. I think we may be going over. I think there'd be a lot of people. I think listening. we are. There'll be a lot of people um, listening to this who'll be going, "What the fuck are they talking about?" Do you know what I mean? So let's wait, take a minute to uh, explain what it is. Yeah. So the world as a whole is called the Unifactor. It's not called yes. that in the book because there's no words. Um, Frank is the main character who is. I'm going to say I don't know if you agree. A subverted Mickey Mouse to me. Well, he says he's a um, anthropomorphic character of undetermined origin. And <laughs> when I was, it's funny. It's funny you say that actually, because I was. He's 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 goofy like in some respects because of the anthropomorphic of undetermined characters. So it's like your your Gonzo, your Goofy. What the hell is he meant to be? To me, he looks more like a cat. Yeah, I get um, it. And yeah. a, a cross between a cat um, and a rabbit, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I have cat. Yeah, definitely. There's some rabbit features, but like, there's a bit of Bugs Bunny. There's a bit of uh, Mickey Mouse. Definitely in the in, in the gloves in particular. And, yeah. And, yeah. And a bit of Felix the cat. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. I um, think I, so, I saw an interview referred to him as a, a generic anthropomorph. So he's yes. in black and white. He's very bold, old school cartooning, cartoons. And we'll talk about his background yes. in cartoons in a minute. But he's got that black and white style. You know, the early Mickey Mouse, um, the yes. early cartoons. Um, now, he is the main character. Uh, there is a recurring female version of him called Fran. Um, yes. He has pets that look like mailboxes with legs um, who are called um, Pup Short and Push Poor. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Any a, relationship you can explain to me later on, Tony. Oh, fuck only knows. They morph <laughs> in. That... I think one of them, I can't remember which book it is now. Don't one of them, they morph into, they look like old school, old school radios. 
you know like you'd have to tune in and they like maybe a, a, ch a church spire you know they they sort of morph a bit and they're they're yeah, kind of like the pet characters aren't they? Yeah. yeah 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 they're um they're kind of like the dog cat rabbit type sort of thing that wandering yeah. around and they actually got their own book at one point didn't they um yeah they kind of I mean, I don't know if they're mating at some points, but there's something like um, Pup Shaw's tail is just, it's its like a kind of gecko or almost like a, not a scorpion tail, but like a, a like some weird, oddly, it's not phallic, it's just, it's like a shrimp sticking out its <laughs> bum and it's, and it's a handbag. And yeah. Oh, it's like a, like a heart. Um, but they merge into one sometimes and it's, and it's like they're, they're, they're all, I don't know if they're like kind of analogs for dogs because they are like pets. That's what I wondered. Yeah, but they are quite sweet with each other as well. It's it's, it's delightful at times, but it's also then they have kids um, and I they mean, jump. All the kids started jumping out of their mouths. Yeah, yes. Yeah, That's it's, in the Frank book, isn't it? I think that one. Um, and in Pitchy Town, they, they they kind of bond as well, and they go up in the big weird. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's well, let's carry on before we get to that bit. So let's also, try and explain it. Yeah. Another, another character we've got is a character called Manhog. Who is a sort yes. of? He looks like imagine Selwyn Froggit, but with a half pig face and naked. Um, yes. And I don't, I can't off the top of my head. We don't get women in this book, do we? So women's the moon-faced yes. character. Yeah, no, he is in at the start. He oh, is he right? Okay. Yeah. He is so terrifying. Yeah, he is. He's a nightmare, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, he's 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 terrifying. I mean, he's the closest thing to Satan. Yes, that's kind of where I thought you went. But then again, I thought Manhog was this sort of, this sort of disgusting monster creature. But um, isn't, Woodring, isn't Man... Woodring says he's 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 the the only real person who can escape from uh, you know the Unifactor and stuff at one point. Yeah, because Manhog to me is the only. I mean, I know he's not human, but excuse me, <coughs> he's the good and bad in man. Because sometimes he's so he's got a childlike innocence. Yeah. And yeah. then just commits the most horrific evil, and it it just is. It's it's almost biblical, yeah. Um, and it's depiction like in, in this, like he eats chicks, and uh, <laughs> Frank is so fucking horrified, he starts sobbing. Yeah, it's, it's it's horrific. It's that's the thing I think that makes Woodring one of the things that makes him special is shifting between it being genuinely like crying with laughter to straight out horrific. Yeah, just scary just almost. And yeah. a, a beat, and 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 you don't even notice the page turns either. Yeah, you don't. And I think do you. I think you really. I don't. think it's that background in animation. This is someone that really, really understands how to make things move. Yeah, you're right. Um, there's there's uh, a there's a pulse to his pictures, isn't there? It's almost you can feel definitely. it thudding on the page. So let me just ex explain the first few pages, and maybe those that haven't been exposed to Woodring. So the opening page is a three-panel page. It starts <laughs> off with a big. Um, balloon with eyeballs on it and a gondola underneath and sitting mm -hmm. in it is a kind of cross between a crocodile and a hindu god who's yes. who's eating i don't know what he's eating something and mm -hmm. he flies over the top of whim who's this double moon faced skinny stick creature um yeah and they get in a row and um whim starts throwing stuff at the balloon and then is it push it's it's pup sure isn't it um Pupshaw comes out of the of a house that looks like a sort of Saudi, you know, like um, Sinbad temple house, kind of like mm -hmm. with a roof. And also out of there comes comes Frank with um, Pupshaw, 
and he finds um, like a horn mm -hmm. um, that's all sort of ribbed, which he mm -hmm. blows, and out of it comes this organic structure over a period of pages. They keep blowing in it and push Paul has a go in it, and this beautiful kaleidoscope of f growing flesh stroke ornate tapestry stroke cloud comes out of this this um horn that eventually does look a little bit like a lady's downstairs to me maybe i'm seeing too much into that i really yeah no i can sorry i was just looking at the face before that and i was like really yeah so it opens like opens like a lovely, becomes, a lovely becomes, cave it becomes nightmarish quite quickly and it's it's quite interesting because the way that he kind of depicts that nightmarish bit is that the he spots blacks more it becomes darker yeah um, and more filled in it's quite interesting because again I mean, we mentioned it earlier on those first three pages are identical to the congress of the animals the difference is is that they open up a different package that has fallen out the balloon that's right. the difference between the books so it's a different choice it's almost like do you remember that terrible Gwyneth Paltrow John Hanna film Sliding Doors terrible this good. is like a really 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 good version of that shit <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah um so it's it's they open up they make a different choice so it's but it's not like the way he described it wasn't like you know an alternate reality to reboot he just said the unifactor told me to remove Fran <laughs> and so he did and but and the weird thing, and maybe this says something about me, that makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's because I mean, I'm just so drawn in. But yeah, you're right. It's 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 incredible that work. Yeah. It reminds me of a bit of Jeff Darrow at times, actually. Yeah, the uh, the um the the lining, you know. So he lines line after line, you know, on it. They're so accurate. Yeah. It, it's it's incredible that one person has managed to have the the stillness of line to do these sort of continuous lines all the way through the pages sometimes you know it's gorgeous um it's, it's stunning yeah um, let's talk a bit Tony, about do you want to explain oh, what happens next oh, <laughs> i don't know i can't where did i get to i don't think there's any point i think they've kind of realized what what's going on this is one oh god the, the the scene with it so it's when so when they're dealing with this thing and 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 uh pushpaw and pupshaw um they all go aboard this new thing and inside this creature with um but Frank um, gets left behind and then the push pushpaw and Popshaw produce all these kids. Yeah. After kiss no, I tell you, the the creature, all these kids, like like creatures like like the Popshaw and, and Pushpaw um, come out of this and they all aboard it, but Frank can't initially. And while he's gone, he goes back to his house and man Mark is sitting in his chair. <laughs> yeah. And he runs away in all force. And that's the thing that's so nightmarish about him is man that Monk, yeah. he's so... I mean, he doesn't look human, but there's something so human about him that runs in all fours. It's just... It's so debasing. It's, it's weird. And then this pantomime nightmarish horse looks horse like it's off like a, a carousel almost doesn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly and he used to be a medical round operator as well that's right Jim and a dustbin man as well wouldn't he so, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Bit so like chase that and start starts attacking manhog in a brutal way like you really see his injuries and then he rips off frank's arm and legs and they beat up this creature and it's it's, it's horrific i mean it's absolutely it's, horrific yeah but manhog helps them they're both badly injured 
and he moves in with Frank and they become best friends. Yeah. But if you but if you've added Fran after that, and then it was right. like it made sense. It's like he's replaced Fran. Like instead of having like a romantic relationship, he's got a platonic male friendship. It's, it's just bizarre. It's just it's incredible. He's, the, the he's got this sort of strange respect for Manhog, isn't he, Woodring? I've heard him talk about him about he will be the only one to leave. He will be the only yes. one to survive. He's the true, you know, humanity stroke hero of it all. I can actually trace my concern and my uh, um, disgust of Manhog back to a movie. I'm not sure if you've seen it. It's called Oh Lucky Man. It's a Malcolm McDowell movie from the early 70s. Have you seen it? Oh Lucky Man, I don't know. He did it after If and after Clockwork and all that sort of thing. But in that he uncovers a man who's shaking in a bed and he's half man, half pig. And I remember this fucking really freaking me out when I was like six or something. I've not seen it. And I, I actually trace that back to manhog just being so weird and so concerning but yeah let's let's talk a little bit about woodring because i think it's important that we talk Mm -hmm. about him before we talk about some of the the art and stuff so born 11th to the 10th yeah 52 he's currently 69 years old um born in los angeles since a child he's experienced hallucinatory apparitions and he keeps an auto journal of his dreams um his stories involve personal symbolism inspired by his belief in uh, Vedanta from the Hindu philosophy, Hindu religion. Mm-hmm. Um, as a child, he suffered from really like wild hallucinations and became obsessed with death. I just saw a talk with him today where he talked about as a kid, as a young boy, he fell asleep and he woke up to a, a man with a handcart pushing a, um, a box into his room. Um, a wooden coffin and the the wooden coffin is stood up and it's opened and inside is his naked mother covered in um like she's got the measles or something in spots and she's dead and he put his head back into his bed and it disappeared but he said it was real to him this sort of thing and yeah. and for years he still has this um hallucinatory issue and he also suffers from i think like quite quite a common thing i think it's called pro prosopagnosia which is a face blindness, right. um, which is another right. thing, which he says sometimes he people come up to him and he doesn't recognise them. Uh, he finds it quite yeah. embarrassing. Um, the, the apparitions thing is, where, so it's uh, hallucinations. and It's when he was explaining the difference between hallucinations and apparitions where if he never says ghosts. Right. He specifically says apparitions and, and paracousia, which I'd never heard of, but that's like an auditory hallucination. Okay. Um, so, so uh, he's, he's... Aye, it's... <laughs> In um, whilst at college, he 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 didn't like it and he dropped out and he worked as a garbage man. Uh, and during that time, in his own admissions in his twenties, he he drank extremely heavily, and yeah. um, and he and he thinks he's got a lot of his demons out during that time. At a period he doesn't really talk about much. Um, in seventy nine, he entered the animation industry and struck up a friendship. Believe it or not, with Gil Kane and Jack Kirby. Who would, <laughs> can you believe yeah. you've got a story about that? But it's um who were disillusioned with his comics with their comics at the time and he worked on the cartoons Mr T, Turbo Teen and Rubik the Amazing Cube which he said he quite liked. But didn't you hear him tell some story about Jack Kirby helping somebody do a Wii or something? Oh god, that's so far was coming. So there's like there's <laughs> a brilliant there's a brilliant interview in the comics journal with Gary Groth and it's right. from 2011. Um so he's he's mentioned to he mentions in this interview that he started working at Ruby Spears with Gil Kane and Jack Kirby, but he'd never, he'd never really heard of Jack Kirby. He'd heard the Gil Kane because his friend John Dorman, right. who was an animator and I think still is, yes, um, yeah. had in- introduced, like, given him some comics. Um, well, they're at school together. Gil- I've got a feeling they were at school. Yes, yeah, yes, that's they right. were. Yeah. They were. So, 
<laughs> so Gary Cross is a Kirby anecdote. I'll just read it to you. Yeah. You can... <laughs> One of my favourites is there was a man who would show up without any arms. They were amputated at the shoulders. He would come in and for some reason he would wait until Jack came in because Jack was approximately his age. And he'd ask Jack to take him to the bathroom down the hall and unzip his fly and take his cock out so he could pee. And Jack would evidently do it. I mean, we have never saw that actually happening, but I was told by other people that it happened more than once. And then Gary Cross, like, I take it was an artist with no arms, and he's like, he's like, was he just some guy in the street? He said, no, he was just there. So I don't know if this is something he made up or he's imagined. Yeah, it might be one. Listening, yeah. Oh, but but aye, but he says, but like he used to speak to Jack Kirby, and he was like really unpredictable because he would start telling you a story. And he would be back in World War Two telling the story because he like famously had, I don't know if it was PTSD, but just would be like, um, he told another one. He said that um, he said I remember he told me a war story. He told me he was in Italy in World War Two and that his division was been hemmed in by some Axis affiliate and they were all going to die. It was obvious. There was one little skiff that was reserved for the officers, so Kirby crawled through the mud to his commanding officer and said, "Listen, pal, I'm afraid I'm going to get shot." And his CEO said, we're all going to get shot. And he said, but I'm Jack Kirby. The CEO said, who? I'm Jack Kirby. I invented Captain America. Yeah. <laughs> the guy said, oh, really? Well, that boat is supposed to be for me. But you take that and you rover to that village across the land and you'll be safe. So Jack got in the skiff and rode across the water while the rest of his division got slaughtered. <laughs> what? He crawled into a barn and a peasant woman brought him some breadsticks and cold consomme. At least that's how I remember him telling it. <laughs> <laughs> and he tells this really funny story about how they would go to um, design pictures for cartoons. Right. He would show his pictures and Jack Kirby would show his. <laughs> and then if the guy, like they were showing it to the producer, would say, oh, I like, I like yours, Jim. Jack Kirby would get really irate and go, <laughs> what are you talking about? I learnt my trade in the editor's floor. And Jim Woodrum was like, I never knew what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> that I, mean? I recommend anyone. I mean, that interview is hilarious at times, but you don't know if that's just because yeah. Jim Drink tells such a good story and doesn't maybe the doesn't. It just maybe just hallucinations, but yeah, you just it's hard to tell. You know, if you've had particular substance abuse problems, it's hard to tell what actually happened from what you think happened yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I know you said to me he's got zero filter, and you're right. I watched to talk oh, with him today. God, I watched to talk with him today, and he, at one point he says, "I was go- oh, hang on, I was going to tell you a story that was really horrible. I'm not <laughs> going to tell you that now." And he just says things like that, and you think, "What?" You know. And he just—I don't think some of these talks he gives, and when he does interviews, I think he avoids having an inner monologue. Sometimes I think it just all comes out, and uh, whether yeah. it's true or not, I don't know. But I can't—I can't quite, you know. But that time I used to go into the Jack Kirby studio and used to put my hand, my arms inside my jumper. I pretend to have no arms. That that was real. Yeah. Um, oh God. <laughs> now he's his work is um, it doesn't sell very well, which I'm surprised really? about. Yeah, yeah. Um, they sell remarkably badly, in fact. Um, yeah. Which is, I don't. I just think maybe he's not out there enough. Is you know he's he's at least crumb. You know, if he if he was in a keep on trucking poster or something like that, you think mm-hmm. he might. I mean, he's done out. He has done a few album covers for people. He did. Um, do you remember 
about a, tech, a decade ago, there was a singer called Mika. Do you remember that, yeah. that dude? Yes. He did one of them, I think, didn't he? Um, yeah. 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 He's, he's, he, if, uh, he's written, um, he wrote Alien comics, didn't he? Yeah. As well. Yeah. And he coloured Gil and a, Kane. And a Star Wars one as well. As well, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he's won a lot of awards. I mean, he's he's critically lauded. I mean, yeah. I mean, the comics certainly loves him. I yeah. mean, you can see why. I mean, the guy, the guy is. Um, it's interesting when it, one of the interviews I was listening to, him and we were asking him, "Oh, who's your favourite contemporary cartoonist?" So it was a, a Fantagraphics. Um, I think it was thirty years of Fantagraphics okay. some convention, and he said, "How you know? What do you think of your peers?" And he talked a lot about Peter Bag, saying Peter Bag's a genius. He's fantastic. And Hernandez brothers. He's like, I can't believe Jamie uses no reference. Yeah, and he said his favourite uh, cartoonist was um, Justin Green and Crumb. <laughs> Although he tells a really disturbing story about meeting Crumb, um, he said Crumb is, um, you know, Crumb's just ridiculous. The guy, the guy's an, an unbelievable cartoonist, um, and he talks about a few other folk as well. Um, but he, he he has imposter syndrome. He can't believe these people speak yeah. to him. Yeah, I get him. Um, and he yeah. talks about how his work has plateaued. He doesn't think he's getting any better. I mean, when I look at the Frank book and look at um, Poochie Town, um, I can see the difference in his craft. Yeah. And I can see the difference in his technique as well. Um, but there is there's a consistency yeah, of Over design. those last three or four, there's there's been that consistency. You know, you could read yes. them all as one, couldn't you? You can see those, you know, if you look at them, you can see the slight changes in the growth and stuff. But, yeah, there is a real consistency yes. to it, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. And we we read them out of order, and it's still yeah. Same. I could see how yeah. you could you could read them out of order, and you would get a different experience from it. But it still makes as much sense. Yeah. So those who want to know which ones he wrote, he wrote Aliens Labyrinth in '97, Star Wars Jabba the Hutt in '98, and Aliens Kidnapped in '99, which seems to be a little burst of writing, which I think you know get getting back on board i've got a little yeah. list of, the only other thing i would say that his more recent book is and now sir is this your missing gonad um which is more i don't know if you read that but that's his most recent one since poochie town and that is very much more um single page it, uh, illustrations that he's added i mean you could describe them as single image gags but the line underneath them often has nothing to do whatsoever with the image um ah, it's really a really okay. strange one um and it's done on what looks like the sort of coloured paper you'd find in the art room at school um yeah very strange but yeah it's, uh, being a completist you know as we have become of his um i, I got that one as well I, I i wrote down some of his other influences he quotes captain beefheart unsurprisingly um uh-huh. uh, under the volcano from malcolm lowry and les miserables by victor hugo he, he counts mm-hmm. i'm not sure if some of these are wind-ups let's let's make this clear <laughs> right he like our um when we talked about on here about stan and jack and we took you and i talked about ditko some people when they talk so much become almost playful in their own head about yes. what they're saying i think it, it, giving people the benefit of that and you can't always believe what he says <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's weird, like the man with no arms. It, I suppose it's, it's it's strange because I read some descriptions of him as being like a, you know, he's this ex bin man, he's a giant bear of a man, and then I saw a picture of him, yeah, um, for the podcast interview, and it's this urbane guy with a beard, and he's you know, I think he's a he's a striking looking man. He reminds like, me a bit of a sort of wacky John Byrne. You know, he's got that stamp about him somewhere. Um, no, really, yeah. Um, I don't think he's as crazy as he is. He's never that. He's never that mad. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of his other influences were Peter Bagg, Chester Brown, like you said, Gilbert and Jaime Hernandez. He loves Kim Deitch. 
he he loves that dude, doesn't he? And he's mm-hmm. appeared on a couple of his videos. Um, and um, obviously his religion, I think, plays a big part in it. He's claimed he can't meditate. He finds it difficult to meditate, but he he can. I saw him giving this this talk I saw today with him giving, and he ended up saying, "I can I can't meditate, but I can get into this sort of gooey, muddy." And then he goes, "Oh no, I'm dropping into it now." And he had to sort of shake himself out of it, and you're like, "What's going on here?" You know. Yeah, kind of like mindfulness stuff. Yeah, yeah. he's he's. I remember reading somewhere that um, he went to a, a Salvador Dali exhibition when he was younger, and that absolutely blew right, his mind. And yeah. he, he talks a lot about surrealism in the Groth interview. Um, and talks about and, and people sort of compare him to Hieronymus Bosch, but but the person um, yeah, he claims Hieronymus Bosch is a cartoonist. He, yeah, says, he yeah, says I'll fight I, you if you disagree, but he, he is a cartoonist, which you can see can, somehow, you know. Yeah, I can see that. The, the one, the one that he and I think I mentioned this to you before is um, Heinrich Clay, right. who was a German illustrator in the early twentieth century, and Walt Disney. He was a massive, massive influence in Walt Disney. He right. collected his, his yeah. art. And so that's where a lot of Fantasia comes from, who would draw like anthropomorphic alligators and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, and because of, um, because of Woodring's background in animation, there's no way you couldn't know about Heinrich Clay because yeah. you know Disney had this massive collection, and he was so influential in the US more so than in Germany. So I think I mean, it's it comes back to that thing about you know who's an influence um, yeah. on your style or who. Is an influence that kind of sinks into your subconscious in terms of. Well, you've said it you know, now. The, yeah, the, yeah, the product or. Yeah. yeah, you've said it now, mate. We've got to go to the Fantasia thing, because <clears> this <throat> is this is Fantasia almost, isn't it? You know the variety of animals and the changes in place and setting and the the single character falling his way through a story. Yeah. Um It's a twisted, fucked up Fantasia in a way, if you want to see it that way. Yeah. It's, it's it's horrific, you know. It's it's quite funny actually because I I don't know if when you were talking about animation there was there was a there's a scene in Pucci Town that really jumps out where they find this house and he finds an art studio and there's a lot of objects he finds like Frank finds throughout Unifactor <laughs> like objects from our world. Yeah. And one of the things they're drawing table is a picture of Porky Pig. <laughs> so <it's> the Manhog <laughs> and Manhog just starts laughing. And then they walk away with it. It's just so sweet and bizarre. Yeah. And then they find, oh, it's just, it, it reminds me of Lewis Carroll as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely um, that. But partic- yeah. Particularly the Disney version of Lewis Carroll. Yeah. There's, um, um, Alice there's, in Wonderland. There's a cartoon by Max Fleischer called Bimbo's Initiation, which he quotes as um, an, in, an inspiration, yeah. which is when you see that, it's got that black and white, white chest, black arms kind of thing going on, which is very like it. Uh, he said it had yeah. a big effect on Young Jim. There's a, a visual singularity with a lot of his black and white work, which I can see. Um, yeah. I, know, I, I mean, I could I could read quotes I've written down from him forever, but I have managed to emulate a normal human being. But if I revert to type, I'm a wild, wild-eyed maniac. I would rather be a wild-eyed maniac. <laughs> you know. That's that's. <laughs> so when I was reading a lot of um, interviews and listening to interviews with Jim Woodring. Again, this probably says something about me. I found myself really relating to him quite a lot. Yeah, a lot of his experiences. Um, that sounds to me like someone who's a who's a recovering alcoholic, speaking okay. that loss of missing that right. loss of control and having to constantly live in a controlled way. Um, and I wonder if um, producing comics and producing art is 
the way he controls not drinking. Um, because that's you've swapped one addiction for another. Because that's what you tend to. I always remember a quote from um, it was either Eric Clapton. Hey, I was Eric Clapton. You know, um, one drink was uh, one drink was too many, and a hundred wasn't enough. You know, right. or Bowie like swapping heroin addiction for alcoholism. Um, you know, and then becoming obsessed with jogging because you you, you just have that addictive nature. You've got yeah. to do so. It's just the way your brain works. Yeah, I get it. Um, there was there was a quote that really jumped out at me actually okay. in relation to his, his relationship with with his work. Can I just and, just and sort the, of view what you said oh, there, sorry. mate? Do you mind if I just say something quickly about what you said? That's that's really interesting to me. But one of the notes I made was he that he has absolute control over his art and line, but it it, it lives within an uncontrolled narrative. So yes. you, that's there's almost a duality there where he is so precise. And when you guys pick this book up, which I guarantee you should do. Um, yes. You'll see that the line, the line works almost mathemat- mathematically drawn, isn't it? It's perfect spacing and everything. But the story is so fucking crazy. It's almost he's he's um, he he's injecting both into his bloodstream at once. There, you know, he, he's he's allowing both sides of his psyche to to go onto it, which is interesting. Um, sorry, mate, I interrupted. You're about to say that. No, you just you just totally blown me away. So, did you read this stuff about his dad? Uh, not his, all of it. I've heard him mention him, but not much. So his was, dad was yeah. a right, his dad was a toxicologist, but he was also an inventor oh, right. who invented a patent patent for a particular type of gopher trap. Um, <laughs> it's but, genius. And again, yeah. I don't know if this is true or not, but just what you've said there, he's he's getting interviewed by Gary Groth. Gary Groth asked him if his dad was your dad was an inventor. He said, Yeah, he invented um a tractor which had <laughs> controls at both ends and it bent in the middle. And Gary Gross said, what? It, you could drive it in two directions at once. He said, no, no, you couldn't do that. He said, I never knew what the point that was. And that's almost a yeah. metaphor for his comics because there's a, there's a bit in Poochie Town, you know where they find the steering wheel? Yes. And then the scenery, yeah. the scenery, the unifactor itself is a car. And they drive. They're and they driving up in through the world, aren't they? Yeah. With this driving wheel that's stuck into the ground, it's just yeah. 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 And, but but it's but it's like the grounds, and it, and it's very like a cartoon. You know, when you used to show the scroll and background in Scooby Doo cartoons, the background to saving yeah. money. It's just in a continual. It's it's got that vibe, and then they crash. That's that's almost like a metaphor for all his work. Because you're totally right. It's like he's in a car and he is not steering it. It is the unifactor that's steering the car. He's constructed the car. He doesn't know where it's going. Yeah. Well, in fact, he says that about some of his short stories. He says, my right. longer stories are written, you know, and with, you know, with a beginning and an end. But his short stories, he just starts going on them and sees where they go, which is yeah. interesting. But what you're talking about there, to me, is dream logic, isn't it? It's the logic yes. of dreams. It's not the logic totally. of the real world. And that's what, you know, this world that we are. And you were saying it to me mm. earlier. It's so immersive, when you start yeah. reading it, it's, it's almost hypnotic. You don't feel yourself turning the pages. You can for a black and white comic, you know, drawn very simply but intricately. You know, you know. It's, I'm not when I say it's just drawn with pen and ink on a white yeah. page. It, suddenly, you're just in that world, and you feel there's. I don't know what it is, man, but it kind of it grips me. There's a, a sort of it stirs something in me. I don't know what it is. It just it's just very strange. And I'm not always it's, certain what it is, but it, but it, to me, that's got to be what art is. You know, it, it's got to suck you in somehow. I, th- uh, I think Frank is such a relatable protagonist because he's fucking daft. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm totally related. 
And we, we imprint so, ourselves on him, I think. Yeah, it's, yeah, the story is he leaves his house and then just a whole other shit happens to him. That's that's your life. <laughs> so yeah. that's what's. Yeah. But it's but you're right. It's that dream logic, and it's just it's. I mean, I I don't laugh that much in comic at comics. It's it's hard yeah. to do that. Yeah. I have never laughed as much at a comic. It's just or do you know when you get that anxiety, you really feel that 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 knot in your chest when you're reading this. Sometimes yeah. it's so it's terrifying. It's it's so terrifying. Um, is that it's, use it's, of yeah. that um, um, clean and um, clearly delineated use of dreams that yes. certain great creators can manage? I mean, we've seen it since, I don't know, fucking Shakespeare or, I mean, Dickens, um, uh, William Burroughs. You know, all these people use dreams so well to, to like um, um, A Christmas Carol, for example. You know, it grips yeah. you because that could be my future. That was my part. You know, it's a personal connection. And he does that because we've all had that dream where we're frank and we've gone out without any pants on, like Manhog or... Do you know what I mean? It's all, this, it's all that sort of thing, isn't it? It's just so... I hadn't thought of that. But I wonder if that's what it is, yeah. that, that common thing of you're somewhere and you're completely naked and just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's, there is something about like Manhog. It's like human nature that's exposed... You know, yeah. it's, it's 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 not the best. It's the most innocent side of you, but it's also the most disturbing side. It's quite strange as well because I remember reading it and I was like, because I was thinking about, oh, I can't really leave this lying about the house in case my kids pick it up because you know they'll see the. Yeah, they sit and but, think but, it's fun, wouldn't they? You know, it's but, got but, that. But you only faux... you never yeah you never see anything. You know, you never see like his cock or you see his balls once, man hogs because run a bit naked, but <laughs> it's just so weird. It's just so oddly. Hmm. Like it's sexual and totally asexual at the same time. It's it's really strange. Yeah. It's a contradiction, the whole thing. And it's and it's and I, and I don't know, it's it's weird because I knew you were gonna ask me <laughs> what do you think half would think it's about? And it's like it doesn't really matter. I mean to me it's about friendship, this book, but also having read Fran now, it's something completely different about yeah. loss. It's a weird one, isn't um, it? And I, I, I know yeah. he's quite reticent of explaining stuff. Um yeah. There's a birth rebirth thing going on it as well, I think. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I, I definitely when you read it in conjunction with that, the punchline in it as well, the setup is, is so funny. I couldn't stop laughing. It was just, <laughs> it was, it was absolutely hilarious. But, but I, it's, it's remarkable. It, it really is. <laughs> yeah, when, I do love that. Yeah, I do love that. And that's, he talks about that creation in one of the talks. He said he's going through stuff and he's thinking, what do I do? And he says stuff like, Frank's. Flying a balloon? No, that's not right. Frank's building a tent? No, that's not right. Frank's reading a book? Oh, I've got it. As if somehow a light bulb is going off in his head that he should be, yeah. you know, someone is telling me he needs to be reading a book. It's just this fucking bizarre intuition that he has that that's how the story should start. It's almost, yeah. I feel like it's almost a cosmic joke he's playing on us. Um, yeah. And there's no way after this, after we felt that, you know, the pure unease and humour at the same time of reading this, that we can ever take anything seriously again. It's just weird like that, isn't it? You know, it's almost it, ruined me for other stuff somehow. It's, it reminds me of when, when someone was asking Alan Moore about his process and he was talking about um, magic and where ideas come from. Yeah. I, I find it quite... I, I think we talked a little bit of this with Ditko where people hang on a particular thing and that's always the thing they focus on. Yeah. And I think I think there's maybe a temptation with Woodring to always focus on his childhood experiences. Okay. Because he talks a lot about how his hallucinations have changed and 
and he was explaining the difference between a hallucination and a vision. He was like, no, I, I wish I could have a vision. Um, and it's and it's interesting because um, I remember, particularly when I was younger, I would always try and visualise things. Yeah. And you're trying to visualise it to the point that it's an, a, an hallucination, so you're actually seeing it, so you can draw it exactly as you see it. Okay. Um, because it's always about trying to... I guess it's the same when you're... <laughs> I really should know this because I'm meant to write comics as well, but yeah. we both know I don't actually write comics. But, you um, do. Well, not really. But when you're trying to shorten that distance between what you see in your head and what's on the page, yeah, you know, that's what he's done. He's yeah. created the world or, or the world exists for him between his brain and the page. The Unilever, sorry, Unilever, the Unifactor yeah. is that is that that's the world that it travels through to go into the page. Maybe um, that's maybe that's the point to be immersed. I think you know, maybe yeah. that's that's what we all should be after. And we should be, you know, when you read a comic you shouldn't be, you know, pausing and looking at stuff. You it should be just utterly in it in the moment. And he um he even talks about how some I saw an interview where someone says, What do you hear when you're writing? You know, what is that what do you hear in this world? And he yeah. actually sat there and he described it for about five minutes. He says, well, sometimes I can hear the birds. There might be a bit of music. You know, I can hear the clattering of people about me and stuff like that. And you're like, wow, he's, he has really thought about this, you know? Yeah. There's nothing There's nothing that feels fake in this. Yeah. It doesn't feel made up. It, it, it feels real. And I think um, people, the only other person I can think of that people speak in that way, but my God, they made up whole worlds, like something like Tolkien. The difference yeah. is when people... T- I'm really going to... Any, anyone that listens to your podcast that loves fantasy stuff is about to send me... Hate, hate mail. Here we go. Hate tweets. Yeah. People's... Like, my wife's a big fantasy fan. She's like, she's like... She loved Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and stuff. And I was like, he's sitting in a fucking room and he's invented his own language. What a sad bastard. <laughs> <laughs> whereas, put, whereas what they've done with Frank, it's... It doesn't... It seems like an expression of something. It feels like something he's telling you something. He's given up something about himself, and it's something you've spoken to me a lot about emotions and comics, or emotional truth in comics. Right. There, there is there is a fundamental part of his essence in these comics, and he's expressed it in a way that makes sense to him. Yeah. Like it's like those. Uh, there's there's a there's a quote that I came across quite a lot about when when he got the idea of um, when he started doing comics it was Mark Landon. Landman, rather, who's editor of Buzz Magazine, said to him, make a comic strip that looks like a normal comic, but isn't. Okay. And and I think that's that's true, because, I mean, if you're looking at this, if I picked this up and had it at the Jim Woodring, I would think it would be, like, um, in the tradition of, um, like, quite old newspaper strips, like Bigfoot cartooning. Yeah. Like um, Paul Pye, or, like you say, Mickey Mouse, or... Um, Betty Booter—that's well, not anthropomorphic. Something like that. Yeah, she may as well be though. When you you know, she is so exaggerated, isn't she? I think part of that might be the sort of toothy quality of the paper we got in. Books yeah, like Fruity Town, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of—it's off-white. It's almost like a kind of cream. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love it. There's a real tactile experience. The book and the end papers as well are beautiful. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a stunning book. Yeah. Those even like even... even the hardback. If you take the dust jacket off, even that has this sort of. Oh, it's is it stunning. Eye. Yeah, something incredible. Well, I wonder that. One of the things I think about with him, um, and I was thinking about it this morning whilst taking a shit, actually. So not unlike yourself, the I was thinking, <laughs> all these people strive 
well, they used to. I don't know if they perhaps they do it these days, but they used to strive for the honesty in autobio comics. You know, Chester Brown and um, Bob Fingerman, and you know um, all this sort of stuff that goes on where they're just uh, incredibly earnestly honest about stuff. It's painfully honest, you know. But has anyone actually revealed themselves as much as Woodring has? And I don't think they have. I think this is the ultimate reveal of the inner self, almost but in such a fucking weird way. It's it's just yeah, ultimate there's, personality on the page, in a way. There's, I remember um, when I first started seeing my wife, and she was like, oh, God, you never shut up. You never stop talking. <laughs> um, and, yeah, and, yeah, we were speaking about something. I don't know. Like She'd sent me this email. She's like, oh, you know, if, if, if this isn't going to work out, but she's just so forthright. She's just quite in your face. I love that about her. Um, she's amazing. And she just was like, I'm not taking any of your shit. And it was all basically because I felt awkward because she was running at my flat and I'd had to go for a dump and I've got IBS and I was so long in the toilet I felt embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a bit awkward. And then I just said this email, look, it's because I took a really long, smelly job and I thought that you'd think it was disgusting. And she's like, don't be ridiculous. So, and we're, hey, 13 years later, we're still hey, together. Hey, thank God for that job, but, eh? The... One of the things, one, one, of the th- <laughs> one of the things was that I thought about it then was that you can be very good at talking and you can talk a lot and you can tell people about things that have happened to you, but you're not telling people how it made you feel. Yeah. You're not telling people yeah. the emotional truth. You're not revealing it. yourself to them. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's he's telling you the emotional truth without telling you the experiences. It's and it's very biblical or or like a religious tract in that way is that he uses metaphor to give something a bit emotional truth with yeah. you and he doesn't uh, it doesn't follow that what we see a lot today i was chatting to dan about it the other day the cult of the personality is yeah. you know people do auto bio comics because they build this cult of their own personality in social media in their comics and they, they attract these people and he do, but he doesn't do that he's not he's not self-obsessed like that don't read into it that's how it is he just uses, he's an artist. yeah he uses himself yeah. to make his art exactly where i was going with that man yeah, that's interesting. He's, I mean, he's a yeah. he's a fine artist as well. Did you? <laughs> it's subjective stuff as well. And again, I don't know. I think this is true because then um, one of the interviews I listened to, it was around the release of Pucci Town because he's talking about the book in it, and yeah. although he doesn't name it, um, and he mentions the six foot pen. Yes, I watched this video of with. him using it. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, is it, is it? So it is real. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Oh shit! What's what's it like? It's it's about the height of him, <laughs> and he use he does draw with it. He does drawings with it. Yeah. How good are the drawings? Are they? They're not super good, but they're not bad. Well, I mean, it, it does hold the ink and everything, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, and it all came from that guy saying, "Oh, you can't get a nib bigger than four inches. I'll show you." <laughs> yeah, it's I great. Just love it, that. Is, it is good, and um, yeah, he, he does it. Yeah, the, the ink does. It doesn't run very well, so there's a bit. Yeah. It's a bit blotchy and splotty, but. Yeah, yeah, he was in the studio doing it, and he has to hold it like over his shoulder to draw, you know, because it's a big old fucking heavy thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's still pretty impressive. Um, yeah. That's the other thing he does, is he does um, portraits of people, but he does portraits of people as if they're in a self. I saw one actually, um, Stuart, uh, Stuart uh, what's his name? Stuart had one, a buddy of mine, and he and it looks like a spinning top, like a series of yeah. spinning tops on top of each other. And he does that apparently a lot to people, to fans at signings and stuff. He'll draw them. But in that, he's, you know, he, he makes the claim that he's drawing how he sees them. Now, there's an essence of them in these cascading spinning tops almost, you know, like, like a hooker pipe or something like that, sort of something ornate 
and but nothing that looks like a human, I suppose. You know. I never, I never realised that because he draws those kind of shapes a lot in the Frank series. Those kind of spinning tops and um, yeah, like the kind of with the tassels and stuff. So maybe those are representative of people then. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it could well be. Yeah. And I mean, then when they change shape, they're kind of revealing their inner self or something. Yeah. I mean, I often wonder this when I'm reading it because there is an element of me that it scratches at the back of my head that this is quasi-religious. I don't know if you yeah. feel that. I feel that... When I was, yeah, when I was reading it, it was immersive and it was like I was enjoying it. I was trying to enjoy it. I was enjoying it more than I was understanding it. But yeah. it's like, it's like, God, this is going to sound so pretentious. It's <laughs> like I was understanding it, but it didn't make sense. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or, or it's like it was, there was an understanding for me, but not on a conscious level. It actually made me feel at peace almost reading it, which I know sounds pretentious, but it just yeah. it had a wonderful calming effect in me because it's like, I think if you're quite a creative person, you, you've almost got quite a, you've got a turbulent energy in you. Yeah, I get you. Um, and, and, you know, it's like you have these ideas that are constantly, like your mind's constantly racing, that the energy's constantly bubbling over. You've got to get it out. And 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 it, it felt very much like someone had thrown this up on a page, like just yeah. boked all over the page, and it was fully formed, even though there's an incredible level of craft in there. I mean, I, I, I mean there really is. You know, I, the, in the Brian Bolland interview, um Ah, he was he was talking about that. I mean, the guy the guy is an incredible craftsman. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, his level of craft is beautiful. His line weight, everything is beautiful. Um, so yes, yeah, so there was there's some kind of it's like you say there's some kind of connection to it. It's weird, I don't isn't it? Yeah, understand it? Yeah. Maybe it's the um, there's an, there is an element of Hindu. Yes, I can you know like the elephant god and you see little touches of that, don't you? As you as you read through it and stuff, I think. Well, it's it's quite interesting because one so so one of the things um, I think I said this earlier on that when I was reading it, the thing that it reminded me of most was silent films, okay. which I was really really into. Oh yeah, that's right. Partic- you said that. Yeah, part- particularly Harold Lloyd films, which were very much right about you know, whether it's Charlie Chaplin, uh, Buster Keaton, um, Harold Lloyd. There was a protagonist who would get up, he would go out, and stuff would just happen to him, um, and it was all, all almost always there was a um, kind of childlike naivety to the protagonist as well. Yeah. Exactly like Frank. Um, stuff would just happen, and there would be a lot of um, slapstick in there, just as there is in the Frank series as well, which which veers into horrific. Right. And because it's big Bigfoot cartooning, you can show like his arms getting chopped off and all that stuff. Um, and whereas in the silent films, it's like he walks off the edge of a building or is hanging from a clock, or a yeah. building falls on top of him and stuff. So it is very very cartoony the level of yeah it's not really violence do you know what i mean but uh, um so it's it's very much like that and there's a some a thing like um with silent films uh, there's a quote i read from him where he said that um hold on a minute he said that um it's not a silent world that's just the way that he presents the unifactor to people and that's very much like a silent world where we are okay you know, there obviously is noise. So what is he saying? In, he's hearing the silence. words. He's just choosing not to include them, I'm guessing. It's just, that's just the way he presents it. Aye. Yeah. So, so so to me, it's the comics equivalent of a silent film. Um, and, and the way, it, and, and again, it's in black and white as well. And I don't, I don't know why people haven't picked up on this because it's just, that's, 
I is. I'm trying to remember if I was reading it. Like if I heard anything like music, um, I wasn't listening to anyone when I was reading it. But I, it's just a, a wonderful feeling of pe- yeah. peace. There's a guy in an interview today I saw who asked a question and I thought, oh God, this is going to be a bit embarrassing because he started off by saying, when I listen to your music, I hum. And everyone like, you can see everyone in the audience shifting their seat away from this bloke. Um, <laughs> but it, he made sense of it and he said, he said, I don't know why. Just, I just sort of hum as I read it. And he says, do you hear anything? Which is when he went into how he does hear everything in this in this world of his. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, a couple of things with I thought we could mention as well. The original art, so there are prints for sale on his website. They go from about $70 to $750. Um, yes. You can get a Congress of Animals page, a good one, for about 1500 quid. Um, a nine, Why are you telling me this? <laughs> a 9 times 12 <laughs> sketch would be about 270 quid. Um, Frank Hand-Drawn Inked Original is on eBay currently for 550 And you can find a Weathercraft page on, on eBay at the moment for 590 he does sell some posters as well. They're 50 quid each. Um, the other thing I, meant, I thought I meant to say is um, the Comics Journal in 1999 um, ranked Frank as the 55th best character in the 100, of, in the 100 best comics. Um, in its, you know, I think it's the end of the end of the millennium kind of thing. And there's a poster of Frank that appears on the walls of... Do you know what TV series? Oh, balls. I can actually see this in my head now. Yeah. It's the uh, the IT crowd. Yeah. Um, I thought I'd run this past a younger person to see what they thought, so I ran it past my son, and he said he 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 actually didn't just go, well, that's weird, which you know quite common for a teenager or twenty something to say, and he said uh-huh. it wouldn't work in color. Um, he said it makes real characters. Um, without the use of words, which I thought was interesting. He makes them real to him, which I thought was good. Crazy imagination that he converts into his art, and it reminded him of a a video game called Cuphead. Have you heard of it? No? Uh, No, I've not. And it's really interesting your son said about the colour, because he won... He was, I mean, he is a really renowned colourist. Yeah. He won, did he not win a Harvey Award for his colour? Oh, colour okay. Work. Right, I didn't realise And in that. the Frank yeah. book, some of it's in colour, and it's, it's stunning. It some, of the like, single page, some of the single-page illustrations he does. He does two different kinds. He does some that are just full of colour, aren't they? And some that almost look charcoal-y, don't they? Um, yeah, because Frank, Frank in the colour stuff isn't fully black. Yeah, he's that's kinda, right. I think you're right. He's kinda yeah, he uses pur- the lines with the colour. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting. Yeah, it does change it totally. Aye. It gives it that flesh, flesh of cartoon look. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you go. If you have understood any of that, you've done well. <laughs> <laughs> That's perhaps our most esoteric episode ever. Um, but um, I think we got through most of my notes there. Unless there's anything else you want to say, you you, you want to mention, Mister Mr. Um, C. There was there was there was someone else. Who, aye. Yeah. It was about um, when. Okay. When I was, why I find them so terrifying uh, is that, you know, I think we've spoken about this before, that it's uh, particularly with autobiographical comics where, and when you were talking about Steven Universe and things like that, and we'd spoken about this and you said, I don't know why this connects to people. And I'd, I'd said, I wonder if it's because people can connect it because it looks like it's something they could draw themselves. Yeah, I'm going to be saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and one looks like something you would doodle. It does, when you're hung it? over or something. I, it almost I remember, looks like something from that you would find on the side of an old cathedral, maybe, or that face it's, somehow. Yes, it's, it's it's like that kind of. It looks from like a tarot punch. card, maybe, or something. Yeah, I missed a yeah. punch or a tarot card where it's either a sun or a moon. But it reminded me again. It made me think about the George uh, Malay film. I think it's Malay. It's pronounced. 
a trip to the moon. You know oh, the yeah. one with the rocket ship yeah, yeah. stuck in yeah. the moon. And I always remember seeing that from the, the side, but it's not, it's, it's it's front on, but that's what it reminds me of, that horrific twisted face. But also yeah. it's 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 a it's not his face, it's a mask. But it's the yeah. pointed tail as well. That that is a devil. It's it's just I, I don't know if like man hogs like meant to I don't know if like ones like the like different aspects of 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 mankind or a person like you know yeah. the id or or orgy, like man hogs are base orgies and whim is like the kind of I don't know the evil in us or something or Maybe. the ego or something yeah. or the id. I don't know. There's um, a morality play element to it which you yes. do try and work out in your head as you're reading, don't you? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's, it, it's weird actually because now that you mentioned you, you were talking about whim there, something occurred to me. I was I've been trying to rack my brains and think about um, who I would compare him to. You know, his art is a difficult artist to compare. Then I sent you a Dennis Kitchen sketch yes. this week, didn't I? And there was um, another one I sent you today by an artist. I whose name I can't remember. But the um, I yeah. who was that? That was really good. Actually. Yeah. The I only one like that, that comes to mind is, and I wonder if they read it was the Mighty Boosh. There's something about that that just you know, they're sort of sharp, big-chinned, big-nosed creatures and this sort of wackiness. That, I don't know. It's, but then again, I suppose that's all part of that school, isn't it? You know, the absurdist, uh, there's surrealist. Very, yeah. There's something very vaudevillian yeah. about Wim, and I think it's because of maybe that Mr. Punch-like profile. Yeah, yeah. Um, which we shit our pants over as kids, didn't we? Mr. Punch was, you know, pretty unpleasant, oh, really. Fuck yeah. 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 It's, he's, he's the only character, and it seems to be wearing a costume or wearing a disguise. Right. Whereas Frank just seems to exist, Manhog seems to exist, Wim seems to be, again, just to me, it's like he's a disguise, which is weird because he couldn't be because he's a stick figure. It's just, a, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's so disturbing, actually. It's really, really unsettling. Like, yeah. when he shows up in the Frank book, I was just, I was, I was something oddly horrifying with him. It's yeah. just like... Or it's, maybe the other comparison would be Miranda, the TV series. But the... Um... <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever told you a lot that Russell Crowe? <laughs> uh, a number of people. The uh, fat Russell Crowe. But the, yeah, so thanks for that, man. That was a really interesting dive. I, I, I think I'm I'm very much like you, man. We we just got addicted to this creator for a couple of weeks, didn't we? It just oh, my God. Threw ourselves out, in. You're going to get divorced because you keep buying books, I think. It's, when you're buying the Italian, I mean, it's, it's, it's a wordless comic. Yeah. Buy, that's a figure. I'll buy the Italian one. But it is, <laughs> it is quite interesting. It's called. <laughs> Il Congresso uh, I don't know if it's Degley or Dili Animale which oh, makes me cool. seem even more pretentious <laughs> uh, but, like there's a quote by Francis Ford Coppola in Italian in the back oh, so I'm of just course like, there is yes, probably right there I've, I've arrived you know the uh, you know the Francis Ford Coppola thing don't you if he, if you if there's a film by Francis Coppola he's not that into it that used to right. be the rule with him yeah I think he's gone back on that because I think a few stars thought oh this is going to be a Francis Ford Coppola and it, you know it's all that almost like that but yeah for a while it depended on how his name was um, put on the put on yeah. the poster but yeah interesting thanks for that man that was very good I very much enjoyed that um, over to you Mr Cannon so we um, we were just chatting about a couple of things before we came on mic but you're um, currently in the sequel aren't you you're in the how many pages are you up to now because I know you told me it's going to be seven pages long and it's kind of grown isn't it um, you delight in this, don't you? <laughs> um, aye, so I, I think real, realistically, I don't want to get carried away too much because yeah. um, no, the don't, Royal don't Mail postage, I know the, the Royal Mail shipping costs are are so high now. Yeah, like for me to ship it to the states, it's it's, it's one hundred and fifty um, 
so it's 150% the cost of the book. It's, it's like a £20 <laughs> book and it's £30 a poster, yeah. which is why I do a, a few commission for overseas orders. But it's, it's, it's I mean, it is ridiculous because you, you don't even know if he's going to get there or not Yeah. Um, half the time. But um, but the next, so there's that I've been thinking about in terms of the the, the dimensions of the book, like whether it's going to be A4 again or more a kind of um, US size book. Okay. Um, but but the story-wise, it's it's not going to be as long as I thought it did. I thought it was. I think it will still be about 100, 120 pages. Bloody hell. So um, over, I've slowed down because I was ill and just a bit busy with working family commitments. So I'm on page 55, okay. which isn't bad for a, yeah, for a year, yeah. I suppose. But I beat myself up because I'm fast at drawing ideally i'd like to be doing a page a night but you just can't do it when you've got a full-time job and a family yeah yeah um so um although i have i and i've not i I don't write it out i like to keep i like that ross mcdonald thing of you keep it in your head and you walk about and you let the scenes start to merge together yeah that's what i do definitely Um, yeah i've I've really taken that yeah i'm a big fan of that like and, and the danger is you can forget it if you don't write it down but it's it's i don't know it's just I suppose it feels more real if you do it that way, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, okay. um, I've, I've really found myself when we're doing the Red Ring stuff, really seeing a lot of my own process and what, what I don't really, don't really think of it as a process, but just the way that I've done comics is, is very... Yeah. I was surprised how similar it was. It just it just comes from somewhere. Um, so it's I'm, I'm, really, I'm really, really happy with it. I think it's much stronger than anything I've done. It's, much, it's the consistencies there and, and on... On every page, there's only been a couple of panels of. In fact, I think there's only one panel of redrawn because okay. I just thought it was a bit shit, which I'm, is not like me. I'm definitely <laughs> redraw pages. I'm definitely with you, that man. If I can't work out how to get from one place to another, you know, in a comic, I do. I do really let it ruminate and like wander yeah. around, and then you do kind of come up with a solution, don't you? Yeah. Or the solution comes up with itself. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of the one of the two. It's 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 weird. I mean. Aye, that definitely that thing with with doing like you know where, where you're not driving the car, something else is. Right. Um, I, I really feel that a lot. Right. I mean, um, I I really I really feel that a lot with um, not like oh this character wouldn't do this or that kind of thing. It's just it just feels right. I don't know if it feels right because of the character, because of the story. I just I don't really break it down that much when I'm thinking of it because I just want to get the page quickly. Um, if if it was. Maybe if I was um, if I wasn't drawing it, I, prob- I probably would think more about that, reflect on it more. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I just enjoy the the process. I'm really enjoying the drawing drawing it. Some of the scenes in it are quite challenging, and the, and the most challenging scenes I think to do are for me anyway are the quiet scenes. Okay. And um, because you focus more on body language, and particularly if you're just drawing a talking scene, I'm not a fan of. People say it's oh it's cinematic if you show repeating panels with slight changes. It's not. It's just fucking lazy um, <laughs> yeah i get you i think it's, I think yeah. it's terrible comics I, i'm not a fan of it at all yeah especially when it's done digitally and you can see the people have just photoshopped something in in the background do you know what I mean? it's like that yeah yeah i get you um i i thought you were going to go into that actually but woodring when when have you ever heard them speaking about <laughs> when it's like to work digitally or no um on paper and he's like no it's not it's, it's he said i think that's one of the problems with comics now is that um, uh, digital approaches are of bad. You know, he's, I'm not a fan of digital approaches. It's cheating. 
Yeah, you know, right. it's just just the computers doing the work for you. I I do think there's a there's an element of truth in that with perspective grids and stuff like that and building up background. Yeah. there's a skill to it, but that's there's, it's a but different it, type. It of makes it a little bit cold sometimes. Yes, you know, generic. Yeah, yeah well. stiff maybe. The I was listening to uh, I've just finished listening to a biography, stroke autobiography of david lynch on the old on the long drives and stuff and it's a really good yeah. one because he's got a lady who talks about his life then he he comes in 15 minutes every chapter and gives you like his sort of memories and he's i'm not saying this he's such a lovely guy you know, he's just like yeah. this fucking mental guy but he's so nice about everything and he says uh he says i went to this man's house and uh, what a lovely fellow he was and he showed me this thing called photoshop and oh my god, it was incredible! And he goes on about how much he loved Photoshop as a sort of anecdote in the middle of this book. Yeah, and I'm thinking, yeah. oh, okay, fair enough. Oh god, you need, you need to. See, I, I know, I'm a big fan of David Lynch's stuff. I, I love that Twin Peaks. Do you know actually? Oh, that's the Return a good point. Man, of fucking, I became obsessed. I watched nine episodes in the day of The Return. I think it actually oh. sent me a bit weird. Um, although I did again watch Inland Empire a couple of nights ago, and uh, I think that sent me a bit weird as well. I've not seen it yet, actually. It's, uh, it's the weirdest one, yeah. It, it, you can see a little bit of it in the, the return, actually, with some stuff, right. but it's, yeah. That that episode with the nuclear explosion and the, the fucking... The abstract stuff, thing. Then, yeah. Jesus Christ. And then you watch the end of it, you're like, was that an episode? <laughs> no, <laughs> episode? Again, like Woodring, he sucks you in. You don't feel the time in it. It's not like, oh, this is an abstract art show. No, it's you been, keep rolling oh, on with it, yeah. What is it, David Bowie, isn't it? He's a boiler. <laughs> <laughs> and and the I do I mean I hope he doesn't do another one because I think that was the perfect ending for me. I just it, I just I, felt it. I, it just went through me, you know. I, I don't think Woodring's lynching at all. I think it's a different type of serialism. Yeah. yeah. Um but it's the same thing, it's like, you know, like mates that were really into, but oh, what do you think it means? It's like I don't think it matters. Yeah, I think it's also it, they, it, the, the parallel I'd make between them is they both handed themselves over to their art, and they allowed yes. it to occupy themselves completely. I mean, almost almost to the point where Lynch lives in the house next door to his family because he just wants to do his. I'm slightly selfish, I know, but he just wants to make this art, um, which is pretty incredible. And you you almost feel that a bit with Woodring is his whole life and his whole dreams and his essence and everything is is there on the page in front of you which is so so lovely um, yeah i i wonder sometimes if i'd <laughs> if i was doing this would it time, make would you I... go mad would you go fucking screaming bonkers i think i probably would I mean, there's enough of me I on think... the page anyway i don't think you know yeah yeah they're really I, 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 mates have asked me that but not not people that funnily enough no one no friends that actually do comics it's always friends that don't do comics that, oh, would you want to do that it's your your, your job and it's like yeah. i don't know if that would take the no, enjoyment pay out of mortgage it. off yeah 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 well i want to pay my <laughs> yeah. mortgage off i couldn't afford to do it but but at the same time i don't know if you're if you're doing it for a living like, and you've got to do it every day then you lose your kind of yeah um your, your love of it do you know what i mean it's like you know i suppose it's the difference between being a prostitute and yeah, either making love, you know, beautiful, you know, beautiful yeah. with your partner, or getting your back doors knocked in in a in a bin cupboard. The... <laughs> back doors knocked in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had a bit of that, man. I'll be honest with you. I, with with no brow, it was the dream job, you know. And um, yeah. you saw a bit of the cynicism and the infighting and the bitchiness and stuff. And you do think, well, I just, I just love comics, man. I don't know whether. I, I, yeah. That's why. I, I, that's one of the reasons why I. God, this is sound like such a love in now. That's why I love talking to you because it's just, it's just, 
you know, you talk. I mean, we'll talk. Oh, we heard about this or that, and I'm so out of that. I, I'm not really part of a scene, but just it's mostly about the craft, and it's just how many times have we sent each other something? It's just like fucking look at this. Yeah, yeah that's a good side of it, today. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Jesus, it's and it's the same. Like, uh, it's just so funny actually talking about David Lynch with you because I, I think all we ever talk about is comics. Yeah, um, but just yeah. but that's but that's the thing is just like if you're reading a comic and. Um, or listen to, a, uh, I think it's a great time for comics because I'm out a podcast as well. It's like yeah. it's no longer just a visual experience; it's everything round it, and it's just yeah. and it's just that that critical thought and the craft and just oh God, I love it. It's <laughs> I, I genuinely, I genuinely, it's funny. I changed my um, uh, Twitter profile a wee while ago. It's like guy who wants to draw comics. I just I changed that a wee while ago to I think it's a, a Scottish cartoonist. That, that's how I identify Yeah, of course you are, man. Yeah, you are, because you're credible. I mean, you've sold out in Finn Planet, you told me. Although, allow me to point out to you, the other day, you did say <laughs> you did say to me, uh, you, sa- you said, oh, I'm not going to buy any books anymore. I'm only going to buy original art. And then next thing you know, you're sending me pictures of, like, boxfuls <laughs> of comics that you've bought. Yeah. Oh, God, I got uh, nine issues of Drawn in Quarterly. Oh, yeah. Including one of them as a child. This is for £8.50. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, come on. And uh, it's just stuff like, uh, it's like, you know yourself, like you go buy a comic and some fucking shit characters in some god awful oh, Marvel TV show. Like, really bad. Like, fucking. It's like, it's like someone could try to sell something to Doctor Who and it was so shit like fuck off. <laughs> oh Marvel picked it up. It's just honestly this is infantile shit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's so twee and middle class and pish with nothing to say. But because and, and then this comic that cost like ten pence last yep. week is now two hundred pounds. But I picked up uh, the first two issues of Hulk Weekly. It was the first two of Pains of the Night Raven for a combined three pounds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I bought 50 issues. even TV show goes on and I'll be minted. Yeah, I bought 50 issues of The Ex-Mutants from Eter- Eternity Press the other day. Yeah, still oh, still not very is. good. Still not very good. Who, the, who drew that? Oh, a variety of people who can't draw. But the um, the other, it's a bit like Femme Force. There's a touch of that. But it's, um, I'll tell you what I was looking up. Just for, just what you called me was, um, I was looking up how much Saga issue one is going for. Because I mean that's that's short up in price as well, isn't it? That's one of those things. Right. Yeah. Right. Anyway, what, what is it? I, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it, a copy of it on eBay, yeah. so I don't know what's happening there. You would think that'd be an. I've easy got, one. I've got that. In, I've got that in trade. I, I like Saga, but at the same time, I, I find the art quite sterile. Yeah, I find it a bit. Um, that's your mate's I, face. You know, it's like that sort of thing with me. It's, it's just too. There's, there's too. Yeah, and and all the designs look like they come from life drawings. Yeah, there's a bit of that going on, isn't there? Yeah, yeah it's some like, people it's... like, don't they? It's just not my cuppa. But yeah, yeah no, I, 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 I like I like more the Wally Wood thing, not like not the chicken fat thing, but just that. Yeah, it's just like the level. Of fucking, you should meet. Like, um, it's like he's constructed it. You should um, meet my mate from the Wits End podcast. He's a good dude. He loves Wally Wood. Um, yeah, yeah, he's top yeah, bloke. Yeah, follow each other on Twitter. Yeah, no, yeah, I really yeah. like because um, the guy um, I don't know him, but I really like his podcast as well. Um, oh my god, I'm forgetting his name, Chris Callahan. All right. Creator, creator talk. I love that podcast. Yeah, it's yeah, got a great yeah. voice as well. He's on that quite a lot as well. Okay, I think he is. Yeah, Dory's on I'm it sure quite a lot. I, yeah, he's, he, uh, um, Adam's on. Oh, Adam's on the recent I, um, one. Is he? Oh, yeah. right, I need to listen to. It. Hmm. I, I really. That's one thing. I'm, so I'm not going to thought bubble. And one of the things um, I'm really gutted about was. I mean, I always love seeing you. You know that, babes. Um, <laughs> but I was really looking forward to meeting uh, Pete Dory. Yeah, I, um, yeah, he's all right. I'd actually only met him once, and that was at the comic mart a few weeks ago. But we've obviously chatted online. But I um, yeah. think I nearly spat on him once. Oh, nice. That's good to know. 
Yeah. Um, so we were at well, me and Gav. No, no. <laughs> so me and Gav were at um, fucking hell. Yeah. Me and Gav were at uh, Glasgow Comic Con, and Sean Phillips was there. Oh right. Yeah, and I'm yeah. a massive Sean Phillips fan. Yeah. And he was standing in the bar, and me and Gav, Gav doesn't drink either. So we're sitting drinking fucking ginger beer or some shit. And um, I was like, God, there's Sean Phillips. The guy's like, just go and speak to him. I, like, I can't, I fucking can't speak to him because I'm just, I'm not a shy person. I just, I just feel awkward. The same reason why I couldn't go up and start speaking to Chaykin right. at Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, just fucking spit his attention. And I was so close to doing it. And I, I'm pretty sure it was Pete Dory he was speaking to. Oh, it could be. Yeah, yeah, I know they hang out quite uh, a lot. Yeah, they were together at the Comic Mart when I bumped into them. Look at you. Oh, I'm just going to angle him. I was just out for a drink with Sean Phillips. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that. I just walked in to have a, a coffee. Like and... table tennis with Pat Mills. <laughs> he loves table tennis and he is actually very good at it. I actually need right. to practice before I go out again because he's up. He keeps saying, we'll be playing some more. And I'm like, oh, I'm still shit at it. You know, but there you go. That's yeah, another yeah. story for another time. Play, so, play it. Just give him a boxing ring, Tony. Teach him a lesson. He's got, he's got, he's got a good reach on him. I will tell you that now. The, oh, he's, uh, got that, he's got that wiry, strong look about him. Yeah, well. hasn't he? Yeah. Um, so, where can we buy your books from, dude? Um, uh, you can. Oh God, I never fucking remember this. It's uh, cannonhillcomics.bigcartel.com. Lovely, good stuff. Um, and where can we follow you on social media? Um, I'm on. Uh, you can follow Johnny Cannon, and Johnny's got an H on Facebook, and it's not got an H anywhere else for reasons I can't even remember now. But I, I like Insta. I like Instagram most. I'm on that is yeah, um, Cannon favorite. Hill Comics. Okay, Aye, there's just no shite on it. It's it's, yeah. it's people can't moan about their cats or talk about their shitty political views on Instagram, can they? Just got to put pictures of pies or uh, <laughs> ladies bending over or comic pages. That's all I'm interested in. Yeah, it's an interesting algorithm because. Aye, so whenever it, my suggested, I'm not even going to get into it just now, but my suggested, like, reels or whatever it is, page, is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. My suggested this? page, this is no word of a lie, is people punching each other, comic yeah. book stuff, or sheds. That's the three areas of my life that I enjoy sheds. looking at. Because uh, I think... Do, do you know I really want to get an outdoor office. That's what I that's, was looking at. Yeah, I like the look of them. Yeah. How how much were they when you looked at this uh, podcast is off? Yeah, that's, that's done. Well, that, that'll be continued in episode one zero seven, the Shed Podcast. The uh, I would happily talk sheds with you. Yeah, I love a shed. Good. Thanks, mate. You can find us on patreon.com forward slash tribute press. Uh, currently, on issue five of um uh, um <laughs> fucking hell, I forgot the name of it. Of um, flesh and ink. What am I doing? What's going on in my head? Sorry, it's been a long day. Um, which is really good. <laughs> Today was the cock page, which we're very excited about. People seeing. Oh, I've uh, not looked at that yet. Yeah, it's just yeah. He has to shoot um, shoot something into a cock um, to defeat the demon. So that's going well. Um, next up, we've got Hank Fur, which is coming at you soon. Four P is absolutely. You thought um, George Mayhem. If you like that, you'll absolutely love this. Nice bit yeah, of action. Yeah, nice bit stuff. of pathos. Um, yeah, really good. Um, thanks to give a little shout out to thanks to Gary Watson from Comics Anonymous for giving us a review this week. I'm not a person who chases reviews, and I genuinely don't send out review copies. But I do enjoy it when a, a reviewer spends some time to work out what's going on, rather than just fucking working out nice adjectives to say things are good. And he actually he got into it. He got into the layers of it, which uh, is interesting for me. And it was a, a lovely exercise um, to read him, him examining it. So thanks for that, Gaz. Um, good. Thank you. We've got um, 
Who have we got next? I think we might have Dave Robertson back next to talk some um, Bronze Age stuff. So look forward to that. And for now, I'm going to say goodbye to you, Johnny, but we'll keep talking in a second. Cheers, man. Cheers, man. I loved it.